Now, Luke Besson. I should point out Luke Besson is, uh, made Lucy a, a couple of years ago, which is a very successful film. Um, a, another sci-fi film with Scarlett Johansson in, which got good reviews, and, and I thought it was a pretty good film. I like this one more. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets is based on a long-running uh, comic book series from France, which started off in the late 1960s and features um, a sort of universe-crossing guy. Um, here's a character. Major Valerian and his sidekick, Sergeant Loreline who's also his girlfriend, which I'll come to in a minute. And basically, the, the whole thing's set around this huge... Um, the, the opening of this, this film's a masterpiece, like Stanley Kubrick-level masterpiece. It shows um, the first astronauts going into space and, and, and building this tiny space station. And then uh, they end up greeting each nation as they attain the ability to fly into space. And each nation comes on board and is greeted. Eventually, it's you know female astronauts, black astronauts, astronauts from African nations, and so on. And this space station keeps on building and building and building. And this goes on over hundreds of years until aliens are, are coming on board. And um, what's, this, what's the name of it? Because it's quite something. I'll probably have to come back to whatever the whatever the, the place itself is called, but it is quite something. Um, until the point where the thing's so big it can't remain in uh, orbit around Earth anymore. And they actually send it off into outer space and it spends hundreds of years travelling the universe. And um, oh, I wish I'd had put the name down of the, uh, the, the space station when it becomes called. Oh, well, I'll, I'll bring it... I'll, I'll have a look after the... Um, after the review. So, and that's sort of like the opening of the film uh, where this uh, ginormous space station that's now got 30 million people on it and is this colossal city and they're travelling through space and the uh, the two space cops to the universe's most highly sought after space cops um, uh, uh, travelling the universe, fighting crime and so on. And then it flips to this um, blue planet, which is one of the most beautifully rendered things I've ever seen. It's stunningly, breathtakingly beautiful. Um, and they start getting attacked. Well, they're not actually getting attacked. There's a battle raging above their planet where these ginormous spaceships are fighting each other. And they start falling into their planet, completely obliterating, destroying it, and destroying most of their people on this sort of idyllic planet. It's sort of Avatar-ish, basically. Avatar if it was on the beach. They're slightly blue as well. Uh, and they all look like models for some reason. Um, and the planet's destroyed and so on. <coughs> and uh, the, uh, the Major Valerian gets this blast from one of the people that dies from this planet, sends out a telepathic wave. And he picks it up. And uh, it basically forms a seed in his head of following the story of what happened to this planet and why it was destroyed um, and why it was hushed up. Uh, and that's essentially the story of the film is the they basically both arrive on this ginormous space station uh, following this sort of story that's in his head and he can't quite work out why he's being drawn to these things and why he keeps having these images of these people and he, they both gradually uncover the fact that there's a, a conspiracy and that this planet was destroyed um, by by earthlings basically fighting above it and the Earth people had always said this planet was abandoned and there were no population on it, or that they were savages and they were very far from savages. 
So um, it was just this big cover-up because they just killed an entire planet of people, basically. Um, this film has got some good stuff about it. Well, no, it hasn't. It hasn't got good or average or slightly bad stuff about it. It's got mind-blowingly brilliant sides to it and mind-blowingly terrible sides to it. Um, the worst part of this film is a very insurmountable one. And that is the lead couple. Major Valerian and Sergeant Loreline are the two stars of the show. Now, both their characters and the casting are two of the worst in movie history. They use Dan De Dane DeHaan as Major Valerian and Carla Delavine as Sergeant Loreline, who's a model, I take it. Now, it's like they've looked at this $200 million budget, which is the biggest for any film in history outside of America and said, you know what, in order to get bums on seats, let's cast the cute one from One Direction and the cute girl from whatever the girl One Direction is. Now, they're supposed to be two of the best and hardest and, and, and most competent space cops slash marines in the universe. Not for one second is that a credible proposition. They have no gravity. Their acting's perfunctory. It would be good in Party of Five or Dawson's Creek. They do not convince you for one minute that these are two of the toughest space cops in the universe. It is absolutely ludicrous that they chose these people for these roles. Their acting is perfunctory. Um, but there are lots of other problems with this. The decision to make them lovers is a terrible, terrible decision. You've already got problems right there. They can be male and female. It's happened. I mean, they had the Clint Eastwood, the enforcer on the other night, which had a... His, you know, his sidekick cop was a female. You don't make them in love before the film's even started. That's very destabilizing to what's going on. We flip from this opening half an hour, which is as good a piece of filmmaking as Stanley Kubrick as his height, and immediately we come back down to earth with our two space cops are on sun lounges in bikinis and shorts, canoodling. You don't make them in love at the start. You don't make them talk about marriage from the word go like 17-year-olds would. They constantly talk about their relationship and marriage like a 17-year-old. It's so destabilizing to what's going on. To put it mildly, I watched this film twice. The second time, I fast-forwarded their performances. Um, the characters are terrible choices and they're terrible casting as well. It really, really is an insurmountable problem for this film. And there are other elements as well. With sci-fi films that aren't always well-reviewed, like Jupiter Ascending or even Cloud Atlas, they've got these huge philosophical elements to them that are very interesting. And I'll tell you one thing why I like this film. If I can f talk a lot about a film in multiple ways, I'm always going to like it. Um, this doesn't have that. It doesn't have a weighty story. It's got a perfunctory story. Um, you can sort of guess where it's going, and it's not that big a deal. Really, it's it, like with um, Jupiter Ascending, it had these heady themes about existence and about genetics and about what, you know, if somebody in the future has exactly the same DNA as you, are they you? Because they basically, in that film, they worship the person with the same DNA like they'd worship the princess 2,000 years ago because she had the same DNA. So to them, she was the same person. But there's none of that here. It's, it's, it's kind of a perfunctory thing. Um, a ticket in the plus column... 
the cityscape of the um, of the space station once it's grown to thirty million people is a divinity. You could you could have a whole TV series just set in this place. It's absolutely amazing. It is a stunning place with multiple races and different environments. It's the ultimate computer game environment. It's like you know some Super Mario World thing where each you know part of the space station is a different environment. Some of it's underwater with these huge ginormous monsters floating through grazing on whatever it is um and other bits have you know sort of like something out of the star wars where they walk into the bar and everyone's mean and it's got such a, a wide variety the cinematography is as good as i've ever seen in a sci-fi film it's it's stunningly beautiful to look at often um it's really really worth it f- for the first half hour for me i think that's some of the best filmmaking as an establishment of what the film is i thought that was some of the best filmmaking ever elsewhere a lot of the scenes go on too long there's uh, the opening scene where um valerian and uh, loreline have uh, they go to a planet to to pick up some box um and that the whole sequence goes on far too long probably three times as long as it needs to with him running through the streets being chased and so on and so on and you look at the budget and you think you could have made this a much more viable proposition by trimming back these scenes where it looks like they're just setting fire to millions of dollars and they don't need to go as far because it's the law of diminishing returns there are other there's a really good backup cast but they're not used enough john goodman's not used enough rutger howe isn't herbie hancock isn't ethan hawke isn't they're on screen to they're, they're basically they're five minutes and they don't appear again and it's annoying because it needs that weight when clive owen appears suddenly you've got a character with gravity you're convinced that he's the general of the army you're not convinced this little boy is his you know second in command or top soldier at all ever he's slight he's small he's short he's very he looks weak um and colored vine just walks around looking pretty and seems happy with that she's got no gravity either um and there are lots of incredulous things that happen um they defeat the king's guard of one of these tribes um with single-handed and and you just think no it's not even remotely believable there's a there's a bit where uh, one of the cultures builds this spaceship that's faster and light so that they can um, take their planet building device which they've built to form a new world somewhere now they fly through the whole of the, sh- the, the space station if they can build a spaceship that goes faster than the speed of light or a planet forming device they can probably build a door rather than just smash through it um and it, it it's slightly predictable and it does go it's two hours 20 minutes and it's a little bit long um and some of the sequences like for instance uh, valerian gets um lost uh, and he's injured and uh, so Loreline comes after him uh, and that's a long sequence the second that she gets to him she gets kidnapped and there's another long sequence where he's going after her so there's there's a lot of narrative mistakes um, but just for the sheer splendor and wonder of this film to look at which is breathtaking I would thoroughly recommend it there's plenty of long sequences that are very very good to watch and I thoroughly enjoyed it it has a lot wrong with it there are other sci-fi films where there's been you know things wrong with it but then they've picked it up because the themes are so heady and the story's so interesting underneath and the characters are interesting and that this doesn't really have that but for sheer glorious on screen and and the opening of the gods 
I would thoroughly recommend this if you like sci-fi films. It's also a lot more fun than something like Batman vs. Superman. It never takes itself seriously. It's light all the way through. And it's, it's, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this very flawed film. So on a you know, filmmaking scale of 4 out of 10, for me, enjoyment, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, a 7 out of 10. Uh, this is from last week's feature album, which is Ty Siegel's Freedom's Goblin, Ty Siegel and his Freedom Band, and the wonderfully named...